We all have paradigms and roadblocks that prevent us from excelling, and they can be real or imagined. Welcome to Beyond Bricks, a podcast that will give you the ability to break through those walls. Here's Dr. Nathan Unruh. I'm super excited for this conversation. I've got my good friend, Dr. Miles Dixon. We've been friends a long time, friends before we were ever working together. And I can't tell you how proud I am of this guy and what he's done in his business and more importantly in your life. Just saw in your quest for affluence. Uh, it's pretty impressive. So we're going to have a conversation today and we're going to walk through, I think, some key elements of wisdom of the ages, if you will, of things that you've <laughs> learned. I think you've, you know, really prodded me to say, hey, we need to have this discussion and bring this to our crew. And so we'll just... Tell everybody about you and your, your journey up to this point. Well, I, I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. And uh, having these authentic dialogues, I think, is so valuable, right? Just to hear people's story. And, you know, I, I grew up, my dad's a chiropractor, a very successful chiropractor. And, you know, when I was a young kid, I had trouble reading. Like, I, I was the kid that was in special ed class, right, all my elementary career. And, and that kind of just set me back in terms of my confidence, but I was able to connect with people and, and always had friends. And, and I realized later in life my gift was to be able to connect with people that were smarter than me, that were more successful to, than I've been, and that's just served me so well, you know. And so, you know, coming out of chiropractic college, I um, hired a coach right out of the gate, and I've had a coach really my whole career. One of my coaches uh, was Dr. Jim Sigafoos. And so, you know, I mean, I learned some great things about mindset and really the philosophy of chiropractic, uh, but a lot of bad lessons in running a business, right? And so I was seeing a lot of people, you know, right out of the gate. I mean, I had a really nice practice, and I went out and did these uh, talks on ADD and ADHD and how chiropractic fit in that model, right? Um, and so I had an office full of AD, ADHD and ADD kids, <laughs> right? And so, yeah. and the place was booming, uh, seeing tons of people, but we didn't have the financial procedures in place. And so high volume, right, but low profit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after a while, I mean, I'm walking out of the office antalgic because my back hurts so bad. My accountant's telling me, you've got an out-of-money experience here. We, we can't make the payroll, right? And you owe this much in taxes, yeah. and I didn't have the money, yeah. right? So, you know, that, that sort of started the journey, and, and, and you and I met in the, in the midst of that. And, um, and so uh, I swung the pendulum completely the other way, yeah. like we tend to do as humans, yeah. right? Yeah. And so then I went into a uh, high-insurance model, right, where, hey, you're billing for everything you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so my high-volume practice turned into a low-volume practice. But I was collecting a lot per visit, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But I knew intuitively that just, like, it didn't fit, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, in the midst of that comes the challenges of personal life, right? Yeah. Um, you know, went through a divorce, and, you know, that was really messed with my mindset and affected the practice and you know as I suppose in that um, time zone right that you and I really connected in terms of hey let's what can we do right yeah. and so I ended up selling my practice to you yeah. we worked together 
and um, I just really got a, a wealth of experience and knowledge on my mindset, my business model, right? Mm -hmm. And so just that, that's where the journey, you know, really, really started. And um, mm -hmm. so, yeah, I mean, what, tell me what you're... Yeah, well, so I want to pull a few things out that he said there. First of all, you know, you, you sit here and you look at him today and he's like, oh, he's successful. He's got a great practice, great wife, great family. I want what he's got. But everybody's got a story, don't they? Everybody's got a story. And we, we go mm -hmm. through tough times. And the ability to face those storms, have the right mindset, is probably the biggest thing I want you to hear from Dr. Miles and the biggest number one takeaway. And we're going to talk more about mindset in a little while here. But the other thing I want you to hear there is business model. Swung the pendulum from here to here. Mm -hmm. But then also humbled himself. I'll never forget when we came in and I bought the practice. That was some tough times. I mean, you and I had some interesting conversations. Super tough times. Oh, right? yeah. Because, right? I mean, your, your behavior style is you're a D, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. a C. Right. And we, we all know yeah. that overlap there, right? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, even being friends, I mean, yeah. it, but it's what I appreciated so much about it. Yeah. Even yeah. though we were maybe mad at each other for a little bit and there right. was some conflict, right. we could set it aside and say, okay, what, what yeah. needs to happen here? Right? Absolutely. And, um, yeah, so I just appreciate so much. Uh, just the pressing in, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't realize what our blind spots are. Right. Right. And so sort of to have that counsel, so to speak, yep. and helping guide you through your own blind spots so that you can take your practice to the next level. Absolutely. Right? I think it's essential. Yeah. So. so I think as I hear that too, Miles, that, you know, you have the business model that it had to change, the mindset had to change. And I'll just tell this quick story. I'll never forget the conversation when we were tug of war over answering the phone. You remember when, yeah, when totally. we had the multiple offices and we had the phone tech position? You said, no, I don't want that to happen. I, we need to answer the phone here. But even though that's such a simple thing, it was mm -hmm. a big thing mm -hmm. because it was, a, it was the mindset of how do I change versus just focus on results, which too many times we focus on results, not change. And if you, don't, if you focus on results, you'll never change. You focus on change, you'll get results. And that's where you started to flip and start to focus on change. Changing you, changing your business, and then ultimately becoming a fantastic leader and understanding leadership is lonely and it takes diligence and work to optimize a team. Now fast forward to today, you know how, what it takes to develop a team. You know what it takes to be a good leader and that's what we're gonna get into in this conversation. Yeah, I love it, let's do it. What does team optimization really mean. So let's just start there. When you think about optimizing a team, what are the key elements to do it? You know, I think it, it starts with, you know, I love how you say, hey, let's take the 30,000 foot view, right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we want to get so granular in the details. So I think about, hey, what's, what's first of all, is your vision and mission dialed in? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, it's easy to say that, but is it? Right. And, and do you own it? Yeah. And is it a part of your hiring process? Right. Right. So are you hiring the right people to begin with? Yeah. Right? right. Because that team optimization is if that team member is there knowing that, hey, we're here to enhance millions of lives. Yep. And we are going to create that unforgettable experience. And if I get a little uncomfortable in the midst of that, I'm yep. okay with it because I bought in. Right. right? So just in it's, it's not a one shot deal. Right. We've got to continually cast that vision and really talk about 
whose life did we enhance today? Right. Right? And then it comes with the training. You know, sometimes you hear something over and over again, but you, you don't really get it, yeah. right? Uh, I had a doc on one of the mastermind calls say, hey, have you ever told your team the story about why you train? Mm-hmm. So how about this? How about that young mother who has just given birth to her firstborn? She can't breastfeed that young baby because her neck's killing her. She's mm-hmm. got a splitting headache. Mm-hmm. You train because you've got to handle that phone call right. to get her scheduled. Right. And handle any objections that come with that. Yeah. Right. So I mean, you know, telling the story as to why we train. Yep. It's just not to keep Dr. Unruh happy. Right. Or Dr. Dixon happy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's because we've got a vision here that we're working to execute yeah. on. Uh, it's brilliantly said, and I love that story. You're not training to check a box. Right? You right. think the Navy SEALs mm-hmm. are training just to check boxes? Or are they training to go to battle? You know, I like what Coach Burt says. I'm not looking for baby seals. I'm looking for Navy SEALs. And in order to do that, you, you've got to put the work in. Yeah. You know, the average CEO reads over 60 books a year. Most individuals don't even read one. Yeah, yeah. So you look at the training that we provide. And again, let's talk about the key elements of training. You've got to have great content. Great content is content that has proven results. You have to have repetition. So anybody that ever says, well, I already did that, they don't understand the importance of training. It's like, well, I already hit a golf ball. I got it down. Once? Mm-hmm. No, it's repetition is the mother of skill. The third component then is always then practice and role play. How do we practice and role play how we answer the phone? How do we practice and role play how we talk to a patient? That mama that can't turn her neck and breastfeed her baby. Right. And then how are we keeping each other accountable? Because if you can't measure it, you can't monitor it. So you've got to have those four components. Yeah. So let's talk then, if you don't optimize your team, what happens? Well, you're, you're inefficient, right? You can't execute on your vision and mission. You know, I, I think a lot of that comes down to, I can't optimize my team because of, of the fear that I've got because I want to stay in control. Right. Right. I want to control everything so that it doesn't get uncomfortable. Right. Right. I th- yeah. and, and so whether that's for us to dock, which oftentimes it is, yeah. right? We want to blame the team, but oftentimes right. it's the doc who yeah. wants to re- retain that control, if you yeah. will, yeah. Um, really to stay comfortable. I mean, when we right. get down to it, I think, I think that's what it's about. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, if you don't optimize your team, right, you're not executing your vision and mission. Yeah. Uh, your, your journey to affluence is stifled. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Um, and you've got stakeholders, right? right? You know, we made a commitment when we walked through that front door mm-hmm. that it's not just about us. Right. 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 It's about the vision, our community, yeah. our stakeholders. Right. Right. So all those things suffer when we don't optimize our team. Yeah. So the team carries the dream. And if you want to live your dream, you better optimize the team. And so what other things do we have in our life that we will spend thirty to forty thousand dollars on? Is there a mortgage? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Right? That's probably yeah. the what else is more important than your team? So if I'm going to invest that kind of money, depending if you're paying fifteen thousand to twenty mm-hmm. to or fifteen dollars an hour to twenty dollars an hour, you're somewhere between thirty and forty thousand dollars, and that doesn't include benefits and other things. So if you don't take that seriously, you're not going to live your dream. So Dr. Dixon said a word, and that's control. Control really is a big word because sometimes we think control is a good thing. But really, it's a mindset. You know, I love Carol Dweck's book, 
called Mindsets where she talks about a fixed mindset versus an expanded mindset. And really a fixed mindset is about control. And when we control, we don't increase capacity. When we control, we create a staying small. So people don't always like when I make this statement, but if you can't allow chaos to come into your world, good luck growing. If you don't pressure the system, how do you know where the leaks are? So talk about, because your behavioral type, as we've watched, as you've grown over the last 20 plus years in this profession, you like to control. And what have you had to do to create that different mindset of, I'm gonna allow chaos to be in my life? I'm laughing because I know how it drove you crazy, right? Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it, this changed my life. Mm-hmm. Like when I read that book, Mindset, mm-hmm. uh, it was a game changer uh, because I didn't think I was a control freak, Yeah. right? And I didn't realize how it leaked into every part of my life. Yeah. And so just that, you know, uh, Dr. C talks about the AWA, right? Yeah. So being aware, right. number one, right? right? And then are you willing yeah. To, to make the changes and, um, and then the ability to do it, right? right. So, um, so pause there for a second. I don't want you to miss that. We talk about this a lot, AWA. Awareness is really about your emotional quotient, mm-hmm. right? It's your EQ. The ability to be self-aware, to self-regulate, right? And then what's your empathy look like? So that's what awareness really is, right? Yeah, yeah. So I've watched you when you're not comfortable now when things don't go quite right how you planned, it doesn't lock you up anymore. You expand and lean into it, and that's why you're seeing so much more success today. I would also say that you've learned to use that strength of yours when it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. So like for me, I'm, I'm all about let's get some chaos, mm-hmm. but I need some of the details. And so how can I be self-aware where things fall apart? So it's not here or here, it's really being aware where you're at on that spectrum any given time. And that's what, in my opinion, a great leader becomes extremely aware. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And works on their EQ, not their IQ. And that's what we do as technicians, do we not? Mm -hmm. Let's add more IQ stuff. Let's get smarter at our technique. Well, my technique is the greatest, or my examination Mm -hmm. is the greatest. And we don't really look at the other components of EQ, being able to master communication, to be able to allow changes in our business model that are patient-centric, not doctor-centric. It's a shift in mindset. Yeah, it's huge, it's huge. And you know, I thank you for the compliment that you know, you think I've gotten it under control, and it's so much better, but I still work on it. Yeah. Like, you know, some you hear of- you just said under control? <laughs> <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I like to tell the story, um, that I take a cold shower every day, and it's to train myself that I'm comfortable being uncomfortable, mm. right? This sucks right now. Yeah. Like this water is cold, yeah. right? Um, and not only do I train myself to be comfortable, I try to smile in the midst of it, right? right? Mm-hmm. So when that big cluster rolls in and I can feel myself, I'm, I'm comfortable being One uncomfortable. One at a time. One right? at a time. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Um, or if a situation comes up, I got to give a presentation. I'm a C, that doesn't yeah. fit in my wheelhouse, right? I'm right. uncomfortable, yeah. but hey, I'm comfortable being uncomfortable, let's go, right? right? Okay, so let's, let's get, get real tactical, okay? Now I'm tapping into your behavioral type. Mm-hmm. 
How, tell these people, what do you got to do to improve your mindset? What are the key elements? Oh, gosh, you know, um, another life changer for me is I started reading books. <laughs> oh. Right? Hey. Yeah. I mean, I came out of chiropractic college saying, I'm never going to read another book yeah. for a long time because yeah. I was so burnt out on yeah. learning, right? But that habit of constantly reading books, listening to books, really helps the mindset. I like what Zig Ziglar says, right? Motivation is like bathing. Yeah. You got to do it every day. Right. right. And so I think that's a big part of the mindset. Yeah. And nobody has to tell you to do that. As right. a leader, right. you do it. Yeah. What's your commitment over the next 90 days of the books that you're going to read? Write it down. I love, I just got done going through Ed Milet's book, Maxing Out. And he talked about the number, how he, lifelong learner, never stops reading, never stops training, never stops being around people that have the same kind of goals and mindset that you do. Right. And if you want to improve your overall impact, you want to change your, your, your income, you better start hanging around with different people. Who are going to push you? Who are going to push you? Yeah. So keys to mindset. You've got to be a lifelong learner. You've got to be around the right people. And you've got to do the training. You've got to keep touching the entrepreneur. You know, in one of our textbooks, The E-Myth Chiropractor, you know, one of our mentors, Dr. Frank Savinsky, wrote that with Michael Gerber. And if you don't know about The E-Myth, The E-Myth is still considered one of the top five business books of all time by The Wall Street Journal. And I think that as I continuously, that's a book that I read on a regular basis. And you find those books that you need to read on a regular basis because you never get it the first time. So, like, books I read on a regular basis, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Four Disciplines of Execution, Our Goal Achievement System, Essentialism. But this is another one, The E-Myth Chiropractor, which is one of our textbooks. But in that book, Dr. Frank and Michael Gerber really lay out this idea of what are the three different personalities in each one of us. And as chiropractors, we go to school because we want to just help people. You know, like Dr. Frank says, we want to just end needless suffering. Well, that's really the entrepreneur. What you don't hear in that is anything about money. Being an entrepreneur is only about solving a problem. That's what the true entrepreneurship is. Now, the other components of that are being a great manager. Now, the manager component inside of us says we have to improve the systems and the procedures. We have to innovate, we have to quantify, and we have to orchestrate, whether that be a client attraction system, communication system. We can go down the list, financial systems. That's the manager side of it. And then the technician side is the doctor side. Now, what happens, guys like you and I, after 20 years, all of a sudden, we'll just get stuck doing it, doing it, doing it, like Dr. Frank says in the book. And the technician starts arguing with the manager. Exactly your story. Mm -hmm. You were mm -hmm. doing the high-volume, low-profit model, and you were getting burnt out, but it was living in technician mode. So the technician started arguing with the manager side because mm -hmm. your accountant says, hey, dude, you're having an out-of-money experience. Right, right. So those two start to, to battle internally, and what gets snuffed out? The entrepreneur. The dream. Why we did this in the first place. So I want you to touch on that entrepreneur, that manager, that technician, and the importance of innovation, quantification, and orchestration. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, well, first of all, I read that book in college. 
apparently reading it once wasn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I, I think it's just essential, right? Because um, we like to we like to lie to ourselves, right? And and just focus on the technician and, and think that somehow miraculously the entrepreneur and the manager are gonna just somehow take care of themselves by themselves, right? right? right. And so that that's the challenge for all of us, right? And if we don't keep that in the front of our mind, I gotta focus on the manager. I gotta focus on the entrepreneur, right? So the manager, how well am I leading my team? Right. How well am I casting the vision, training, mm-hmm. right? Um, looking at my KPIs, right? right? Um, getting on the phone with the coach yeah. and going through those things. And then the entrepreneur, Am I casting the, 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 the vision with myself? Am I, am I mm-hmm. giving myself permission to dream? Because so often we get locked into our circumstances, we don't just allow ourselves to dream. Right. Right. How can this thing go to the next level? Yes. Right. Even though I may not be ready for um, uh, associate or a, um, help me with the term. Successor. Successor, thank you. Yeah. At this moment, yeah. right, it doesn't mean that I can't dream about that because yeah. in five years I might be ready for that. Right. Let's start preparing today. Exactly. I mean, how do you? Exactly. But, but how do you prepare? You prepare your head. You prepare your heart, and you start putting the things. Because w- what are dreams? They're fantasies if you don't have a goal achievement system to get there. Goals are dreams with deadlines, and so it's important for us to make sure that we're doing that. So again, I think then as we look at when you're looking at innovation, quantification, and orchestration, you're looking at the three different personalities in every single one of us. You have to now be very aware of those things, and you have to start to work on that every single day. And that's about your routine. And what is the routine for success? And I don't care who you read or what you go think of or talk with. The people that achieve at the highest level, there's a consistency around their routine. You said earlier, you take a cold shower to wake wake yourself up. It's something that triggers you to get ready for the day. Ed Milet does the same thing. I probably learned it from Ed. You probably did. <laughs> and again, but the, look at Ed, right? Yeah. He'd be a good guy to say, hey, I can model some things around what that guy's done in his life. So I think the routine's got to be your reward. And so talk to me about some of your routines. Talk to me about your flow planner. Talk to me about your training. What are you doing to ensure that you're successful? Because success doesn't happen. Intentional living is what's so critical, not just good intentions. Yeah. And that's the John Maxwell principle. He goes, everyone's got good intentions. Everybody has the barroom conversation of what they want to accomplish, mm-hmm. but how are they intentionally living? And that's intentional living is the routine. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that because otherwise it's based on how we feel. Yeah. Right. So in other words, if you don't feel good that day, Right, it dictates yeah. your whole day. Yeah. But your routine, right, really helps develop that discipline that I just do this every day. Yeah. Right, regardless of whether I feel like it or not. So right. you talked about the cold shower. I yeah. do it every every day. I do that. Right. Yeah. Um, I dress like this. Yeah. Right. Not because I used to. Yeah. I mean, that was not something I was comfortable with. But I, w- I went through core style, and yeah. it made a flip in my confidence. I do this for me. Yeah. So that I feel confident. Every yeah. day, yeah, right. So that that's been a big deal, right? Yeah. I gotta write down my goals, yeah, right. And so if I don't write it down, it's a fantasy. That's so that's a big thing for me, just to be able to see it, right? And I train every day, yeah. And and not because I feel like it, always, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Because I want the result, 
but I also know that I've put in place some accountability. Yeah. Right? My team keeps me accountable. Yeah. I keep my team accountable. Yeah. You keep me accountable to training. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, those are some of the, the simple habits. I remember, I like to tell this story. I remember when you took me downtown Sioux Falls. All right? It was a lesson in contactability. Mm-hmm. Because the high C would rather be sitting in the office. Yeah. Waiting for people to show up. <laughs> right? And so we went out and you just showed me how to connect with people. It wasn't whip out the business card. Yeah. It was just connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Right? How can I press in? How can I help? So that's another part of my routine is to be contactable. Yeah. Right? Serving on different boards that have nothing to do with chiropractic. Yeah. Right? Giving talks that have nothing to do with chiropractic. Right? But that's the part of the routine to build the business. Yeah. Yeah. And you've done a nice job creating the habit of being interested versus interesting. And that's really changed a lot of your contactability. Yeah, pull that I mean, apart a little bit. So when, when I, we went downtown, that was fun. It was fun. And we would walk just into different stores. We didn't know who we were going to see. We didn't know who we were going to meet. But we are going to find a way to connect. Yeah. I remember what Dr. Frank said. Find something. Hey, you breathe, I breathe. Right. Hey, <laughs> we're connected. Right? A, a tattoo on somebody. Yeah. A tattoo usually tells a story. That's true. They want you to ask about it, otherwise they wouldn't have got it on their body. <laughs> you know, I, I've used the example of a goofy-looking socks, or tell me about this, or yeah. tell me why you look so nice all the time, or, you know, find ways just to connect with and ask questions. That's being, I'm interested in you, versus I'm just going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about me all the time. So I think it's like, how can we be more interested in our environment and other people, and that improves our contactability. I love that. I think it's huge. So that routine, right? Yep. Develop it, right? right? We've got we've got the tools in place to help, yep. right? Because otherwise we get scatterbrained. Writing down your wig, reviewing it, yep. right? Another part of the routine is the smart X, right? Are you looking at it? What are your lead measures? Yes, right. Yes. Um, so I, it's, so, ta- it's so let's go, again. We're gonna get tactical as we close out this discussion on routine. Make the tools part of your routine because all the things we're talking about are the key elements to become a better leader, a better human being, optimizing a team. Fill out your flow planner every single day, and if you follow the things in the flow planner, writing your goals down in the morning, writing your goals out in the in the evening, putting the, your to done list together, those six things and you're doing that every single day, what are you writing down from, what are you grateful for? Huge. So all of those components help get you to where you want to go. Now affluence is something that people, when they first think of it, they think money. Well, affluence is way more than money. Affluence, in our definition, is a flowing towards an abundant supply of options to live the life that you desire. Now, do I have a script to read that up? No. There's no scripts no, around here right now. Yeah. That, that is ingrained in my DNA, and that's how I want to live my life. So again, key words, flowing towards abundant supply of options to live the life that I desire. So what are those things in an affluent lifestyle? It's your bank accounts, your seven bank accounts through Dr. C's book seven. It's your reputation. It's the experiences you live. It's your children's education. It's anything that makes up your life that you, a life of impact. 
So talk about your life of affluence. What are some of the things you're flowing towards? What kind of abundant supply are you trying to create to give you the options, the life that you desire? And I want you to speak to some of the things that you've accomplished. Going to Okaboji, spending time with your kids. I know that time is important. That's part of, those memories are part of your affluent lifestyle. And this thing we call chiropractic has awarded you to do that. Right? Yeah. So speak yeah. to that. Oh man, I'm just trying to think where to start here. You know, um, I've got a great life. You know, I'm, you talked about Okaboji. Uh, we spend most weekends at the lake, right? And the kids love it. So, so to be able to spend that time together and mm -hmm. connect with them, um, I come back Monday charged. And the other thing that came to my mind as you were talking about this is one of my one words, mm -hmm. right? Another one of those fundamental habits, yeah. right? Yeah. Is the one word process uh, was freedom. Mm -hmm. So when I think of affluence, I think about freedom, yeah. right? Um, that those options, in other right. words, right? And so there's that fun account. Right, so that fun account, uh, there's no stress. Yeah. Let's go have fun. Yeah. The, the money's sitting there. Yep. Right? Yep. Versus, oh, I gotta take a day off and all oh, this is gonna cost me this much money and I gotta put it on my credit card and. Yeah, the vacation that costs you for 12 months? That one. <laughs> <laughs> done, done a few of those over the years, and, and it hurts a little, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it leaves some scars. In other words, it, it robs yeah. you of part of the experience. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. Right? So when, when and even you, when you're in that experience, you're thinking about it because you can't enjoy it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you yeah. kids all want ice cream? Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So I think, get tactical here, is you have to map out what you want. I know for my life, I know first thing I said, hey, this is where I want to flow towards by the age of 50. This is the abundance supply that I want to have of different, it, that could be money, that could be bank accounts, that could be, you know, uh, paying for my children's education, that could be a lot of different things, but I better dream. I better develop my vivid vision for my life because then that motivates me to get my butt out of bed every day and go do the hard stuff. Yeah. To make sure that I never stop learning, to make sure I never stop being around people that are going to make me better, to make sure that I never stop being just a little uncomfortable. Because the minute I'm comfortable, game over. And once you've got that vision, right, yeah. um, and you've, you've, you've given yourself permission to dream, yeah. and, and dream big, yeah. right, yeah. what's that going to cost? Absolutely. Right? And yeah. then how do I break it down into my seven accounts, and how do I pay for that. Let's get into that next. But here's what I want to give you as an action item. Go listen or read the book Vivid Vision. It's a fantastic book that will get your mind going and then go lay out your plan. Go lay it out to if, depending where you're at in your career. Maybe you're towards the end of your career. The best time to get started is today. Lay it out and now start to review it and start to live it out. Some people think profit is a dirty word. It's not. It's the first responsibility of any business is to make a profit. So no matter what your vision is, no matter what your mission is, no matter what your values are, no matter what those things are, if you don't make a profit, you cannot fuel it. So I want to talk about intentionally looking at how you manage your money, not letting it manage you. The tail cannot wag the dog here. You and I both have leaned on our mentor, Dr. C, 
to really help us learn how to manage our money, telling our money what to do. And it's not easy. I, I like things, I like shiny objects. And so I had to learn how to manage my money because I also didn't like the stress of not having enough money at tax time. Not being able to provide my family some things because I've mismanaged my money. And so, I, you know, I know I think about my own journey. I mean, it took me three times to go through Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover and read the book and go to the courses at my church before things started to really kick in. Then I went even deeper when I went, got hooked up with Dr. C and he started teaching me about the seven accounts. And now there's not a day I don't look at those. There's not a day I'm not investing in those accounts. And there's not a 90 day period of time that doesn't come up where I don't sit with my wife and say, here's where we're at today. Here's where we're going. Those conversations aren't always comfortable. Sometimes she has to push me. Sometimes I have to push her. But I promise you this, at the end of every year, we feel a sense of accomplishment because we are being good stewards of our money. Talk to me about your experience with seven accounts. Oh, man. Well, it's been a game changer. I mean, to say the least. And so, again, my behavior styles, I went through the book and I didn't know exactly how to execute it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to have the perfect plan yeah. before I started, <laughs> right? And yeah. so finally, after going through it the second time, I just started executing. It yeah. wasn't perfect, guys. I didn't have it set up perfectly right away. Right. That was okay. Right. 80% is better than 0%. 100%. Yeah. Right? And so as I got that system dialed in, I see those accounts starting to grow. Yeah. Right? And at the end of the year, instead of having an out-of-money experience with my taxes, yeah. right, there's always more money than is needed. Right. And that kind of feels good. Yeah, right. and then you can take that extra and you put that in a fun account. I like that problem, <laughs> right? right, versus yeah. the other one. Yes, yeah. yes. So yeah, I mean, the seven accounts has been a game changer. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that's, uh, I'm like you, I look at it every day, yeah. right? But what you also said is, we're talking profit here. Yeah. So are you looking at your P&L? Yeah. Do you have a P&L? Yeah. I mean, you and I, yeah. these guys don't know this, but you and I spent months going over my yeah. P&L. Yeah. Why? Because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, because I abdicated that right. back in the day. Yeah. Right? I just let my accountant take care of it. Yeah. Right? And I'm paying on this money, but I don't really know what this means. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And your accountant is there for a reason. It's not to give business advice. Some of you that might be a little change in your thought. Your accountant's there to count the beans. It's your responsibility to know how to get more beans and where to put the beans, and he's just counting the beans. Right. Right. <laughs> Again, I don't accept business advice from my attorneys or my accountants. Mm -hmm. I listen for their feedback, but again, it's our responsibility to run a business. Mm -hmm. And so he said some very key things there. P&L, understand what it is. I'm always baffled by the doctor who says to me, well, yeah, I got, I got a really good account. I show no profit. I'm like, that tells me the ignorance that they're operating under. Mm -hmm. Versus you humbling yourself of saying, I don't know. I had to do the same thing. Unfortunately, it was an out-of-money experience that forced me mm -hmm. to say, Nathan, come on. Get it together. So now, it's take the emotion out of it. Mm -hmm. Seven account system. P&L, budgets for my 
my home, looking at my dashboard, KPI dashboard, letting the numbers tell me of what's happening upstream. Because all numbers are, are downstream of what you're doing upstream, mm -hmm. right? So when I stand on the scale, and I don't like what I see on the scale, that's not the scale's fault. Mm -hmm. If I look at my bank account, and I don't like what's seeing in my bank accounts, that's not the bank account's fault. What am I doing to create the success in every area of my life? And when it comes to profit, that's a big deal. You've got to tell the money what to do. And remember this statement too. Money's nothing more than energy. That's all it is. And the, whole, the more you hold on to it like this, the less you'll have. You've got to let that, that money become fl flow. And it's got that energy and you will create more of it if you get the mindset right on all these systems and procedures we've been talking about. So give me your thoughts. So I'm thinking about the manager right now. Yeah. Right. So how well is the manager operating? Yep. You're looking at your P&L, yep. your KPIs, yeah. getting a third party to look at it, yeah. your coaches, yep. right? Your accountant, if you don't know how to read P&L like I didn't, yeah. get some help. Let's, right. let's help you go through that. But then it's data, right? Yep. And then we got to sort through the data, right? right. So we're making data-driven decisions right. instead of emotional decisions, right? right? And, and, and that's where things really start to change. Yep. Right. You, know, you know what I find too, a lot of organizations, doctors, they, they, they will ignore this because it's not very fun. Totally. And if there's enough money in the bucket, the one bucket, they're happy. Yeah. But as, much, as soon as there's not enough money in that bucket, now all of a sudden, uh-oh, and it usually becomes a blame game. Go get your house in order. Understand the numbers. What are you looking at for numbers? Listen to Dr. Miles. Get help. That's what we're here mm -hmm. for. And say, I don't know. And start putting these things in place and you'll be so glad you did. And I would say this is the other uh, benefactor of this is your children. I wish we'd do this more in our education system. I don't care if you make $30,000 a year, $40,000 a year, or $80,000 a year. We have a responsibility and an obligation to manage our money correctly. And teaching our children those principles is a big deal. So I don't want to just talk about your business here. I'm talking about your legacy, your, your family. How are you teaching these principles to them? Now, we're gonna talk about team culture. Culture oftentimes gets messed up as it's just the feel good stuff, it's the cookies on Fridays, it's jeans on Thursdays, it's that kind of <laughs> stuff, right? I think some of that came in some of these big tech companies that brought us some of that. But really the key components of any great culture is always gonna be your vision, your mission, your values, your code of honor, your we believe statements, and your accountability ladder. And you need to own that. And then all decisions are made through that lens. Everything. Because culture will eat strategy for breakfast every single day. So these are the fundamental things that you need to talk about. And then you have to measure it. How do you measure it? Your cultural index or your ENPS score. Both two KPIs you can to measure that. And I, I talk about this all the time, and I won't stop talking about it because it's the biggest change in my own business versus just getting up and doing it, doing it, doing it, delivering my craft, thinking that was going to make me successful until I really made the dedication to not overlooking culture was when it was the biggest changes were made. So I want you to speak to culture as a strategy and what culture has done for you and your business? 
I didn't know what culture was. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I truly didn't back in the day. It just, it didn't click with me, yeah. right? And, and so now, just seeing the value in it and how powerful it is, yeah. and constantly just casting that vision for the team, yeah. right? Not once, but over and over and over again, right? Yeah. Now, my, my team owns it. Like, they push it back to me. Yeah. That's culture. Right. Right? They call me out and push me, and I yeah. love that. Yeah. But five years ago or more, I didn't like that because I was the boss. Right. Right. I, I don't make I, any mistakes. Right. Yeah. Right? It was, it was <laughs> ego. Right? Um, but but that, that just goes back to having that vision in place so that we can live it out. Right. Right? So when that, when that big cluster comes in, the team's excited about it. Right. Versus contracted. Right. Right? I'll never forget the conversation you and I had about a team member who I was fond of, probably more than one, right? Yeah. And you were kind of like, this team member's holding me back. Mm-hmm. Like, but I couldn't see it, right? Because they weren't really bought in 100% to the culture, right? I was telling myself the story that, well, they're so good at what they do, yeah. and I don't want to lose them. It was a fear-based oh, yeah. decision or emotion, yeah. right? Instead of really... Um, being able to expand and, and when that person leaves, yeah. know that, hey, here's an opportunity to do a better job at training, at casting the vision, yeah. right? At, at, um, at the fundamentals, the accountability ladder. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then some of it, I think, you know, for me was really identifying my behavior type because I want to be liked. Right. So to call somebody out, right, mm-hmm. was uncomfortable, yeah. right? You, you know, but hey, if they're not doing their training, yeah. I got to call them out. That's part right. of the culture. Right. Right. And so, yeah, I don't know. Is that, does that, does that yeah, help? Yeah, I think so. You said something there that, but it's people. So, tactically now, culture. Never get tired of doing it. Never get tired of talking about it. You need to be asking everybody, what is your vision? What is your mission? What are your values? And not just them being able to just recite them. How did you live them out? And doing that every single day, and that's the development of the people. But it comes through the commitment to keeping this in front. Because leadership is really about never getting tired of saying the same things over and over again. I want to press into that because don't miss that little gem right there, right? You've got to be able to give examples during the day where your team has executed on the vision and mission. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's how you really ingrain it into the DNA of your team, right? When yeah. you get to tell that story, I mean, some of those stories kind of get me, right? Yeah. Get me choked up a little bit, right? My, my team, I got to tell this story quick. I walked in the office at 2 o'clock getting ready for my afternoon shift, and my team member sitting down at the table in my office playing dominoes with a patient. And you know what my first reaction was? You're wasting time. You're wasting time. Get to work. <laughs> right? You need something to do? Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. But then I started to see, hey, yeah. this gal, that was the highlight of her day. Absolutely. Maybe her week. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Um, and so that's the vision living out. Right. Right? So as a leader, yeah. being able to bring that up yeah. and say, guys, great job. Right? I noticed that you opened the door right. for almost everybody today. We had the umbrella out. Mm-hmm. Right? And a team member the other day talk about, hey, I got an idea. Since we can't shovel the snow because it's spring for people, how about we wash the bugs off their windshield? Great idea. 
So simple. Great idea. I didn't bring that up. That wasn't my idea. Yeah. That's culture. And, and I want to work for that organization because that's fulfillment. That's fulfillment. That's not just about the patients. That's working for a place that really cares and you see purpose in your job. Absolutely. We're going to talk about people. Right? Every time I talk to a doctor, always their problems or challenges fall within three things. Time, money, or people. And the people is either I need to see more people or if my people would just listen to me and show up for work and do what I say we're doing and they were as good as I was, then we would have a great business. So we're going to talk about your people. And again, we've already talked about this course. They're your best investment. And if you're not investing in them to make them better, your, your business is not going to grow. Because businesses don't grow, people grow. So how are you investing in them? So let's talk about hiring. Now, we're living right now in a very difficult hiring era. And I hear a lot of people complaining about, well, I'm having a hard time finding people. And I'm hearing a lot of people saying, I, you know, the people I have, I, I just need to hold on to, even though they could be holding them back. So let's just talk about the importance of the hiring system and why you can't miss, in my opinion, a part of this. So fire away. Well, there's a system in place for a reason. Right, because otherwise our emotions want to take over. Yeah. Right. Hey, I'm understaffed. I'm feeling the pressure. Right. Mm -hmm. I gotta quick hire somebody. So we tend to skip steps. Right. Right. And so and, and that ends up coming back. You and I have made that mistake. Yeah. Right. We've totally. hired too quick. Right. It, it was the wrong fit. We spent however many days of, of just wasted energy and mm -hmm. output. Right. Uh, on cost on you the, thousands of dollars. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, you know, there's a system in place for a reason. Follow it. Right. Right. And so go, going through the training, making sure that you've got it documented mm -hmm. and that you're following the process that yeah. we've already got set in place. Yeah. So let's right? pull it apart just for a minute. So four interviews. Now, some people will say to me, I don't, want, I don't have time for four interviews. I don't want to take four interviews. Well, it's set up that way purposely for a reason. So understanding the why behind the what. It goes back to culture. If, you're only, if you want to skip those steps, you're telling me it's not that important. You also want it to be not about hiring, but selecting. So if they get a job in your organization, it's, they have accomplished something by making it through that hiring process. Mm -hmm. Now that hiring process can be four days, it could be two days, you can put all four interviews in a shorter period of time, or I like to say, I'm always hiring, I'm always looking, and being, having somebody always in your bullpen. So the first interview is really about competency. Do they have the competencies to do the job? The system is in place. I won't get into the details of it. The second component is culture. Are they going to be a good culture fit? There are specific questions to ask based upon the book Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lencioni. Are they humble? Are they hungry? And are they smart? EQ smart, right? And then the third component is observation. They can come in and observe you in your office, or you can always observe them out in a, in a local establishment. You're observing them, they get to observe you. I like doing it in the office because they can see what they're doing. And then the fourth thing is talk them out of the job. Again, it's not sunny and sandy every day. This is what your expectations are. Let's talk about the stuff that sucks. If you follow that format, does it get it right 100% every time? No, but you're gonna have a better chance of it and then when you do hire them and you do go back to say, do you remember when we hired you? This was the expectation. There's no surprises. 
And I think one other key question that I've le learned recently from a mentor of mine is to ask this question. How do I connect their why to our why? So why would you, why, what does this job help you get, Miles? I like that. Yeah, that's great. Right. So then I know that we're both working towards the same thing. That might mean, for instance, somebody wants to buy their parents a house someday. Maybe it's a special trip to Italy. Maybe it's whatever it could be, right? How do I connect something that, a bucket list item for them that this job could ultimately get there someday? And you know what? This job might just be a stepping stone to something bigger and better. And how do we press into them and how do we get them there? So again, those are the four components. Talk to me about your success by using this hiring system and why that's made such a big difference in your business. Well, I almost started laughing when you talked about interview number one because mm -hmm. we hired that person that wasn't competent. Yeah. Right? I, oh. mean, I mean, we, so long story short. Because we get in a hurry. Because we get in a hurry. We got in a hurry, right? So uh, it, don't skip the steps, right? Yeah. They got to be competent, right? Yeah. Um, we also have it set up so you've got to drop your resume off at the office, in yeah. office. Yeah. It's, it's just a little step, yeah. but if they can't follow through with that, how are yeah. they going to follow through with the other 100%. things that we ask yeah. them, right? So in a sense, it's a test, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but then the culture, right? Yeah. I love how we get to spend time. I t let me tell you, just be authentic with you and share with you how I've made some mistakes here. I, I abdicated this to my team, yeah. Yeah. right? I didn't do interview number two. Okay, what's right. abdication mean? Tell, it, me, tell them what that means. It basically means that, uh, you know, I delegated it out to my team and I didn't inspect what I expected. Yeah. So I wasn't a part of the process. delegation without inspecting what yeah. you expect. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, and, you know, guess what? I got on the phone with my mentor, right? And yeah. he said, uh-uh, eh <laughs> you yeah. gotta be a part of that process. Yeah. So that, that was an important lesson for me. Uh, I think another lesson is in that observation process, interview three, um, just really watching them, right? I mean, they're, they're watching us, but how well are they interacting with the team? Yeah. How well are they interacting with patients? Right. Are they standing there yeah. like this, right? Yeah. Um, but then I also feel like it's important to, to have some buy-in from my team. Yeah. I want my team's opinion, yeah. right? Because they can see things that I don't see. And yeah. let's have that discussion, right, yeah. between each of the interviews. Yeah. I think that's essential, right? Yeah. So, we, 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 so often we just, we own too much, right? We don't depend on the wisdom of our team. Yeah. It's always amazing the people that come and go, man, if I had a team like this, I'd be super successful. Well, they never show up that way. You have to go through this hiring process and then develop them. Then as you develop them, their impact and their ideas and their thoughts help to grow the business. Because again, the team carries the dream. I'll give an example from yesterday. We celebrated a five-year employee. She's phenomenal. She didn't show up that way. But looking at what she's done in the process, I mean, it just gets you emotional going, wow, we've made a big difference in this young lady's life. In the very same day, I got a brand new team member that I had that polish talk about twirling her hair while she was in patient interaction. So what does twirling your hair in front of a patient tell that patient through body language? I'm not interested. I'm Perceived bored. indifference. Right. Yes. The number one reason people live, leave. Now, it's just a habit of hers. Yeah. But that habit had to change. If I don't develop her, I can't expect our business to grow. So I gave two examples there. Can I Twirling the hair to a five-year employee. Dedicate to the process, hiring, team improvement rewards program, a culture of training. 
I got to push on one more thing. Mm -hmm. how, how often have you thought about not calling out your team for not being first date ready? Oh, yeah. Right? So I'm a male. I'm going to call out a female for not being first date ready. Yeah. I remember struggling with that. Yeah. Right? I instead of, hey, guys, we made a commitment. Yeah. You need to be first date ready. Are you first yeah. date ready today? Yeah. And first date ready is about mindset. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. I got, okay, because now I got a story real quick. I'm going to close this. Because <laughs> he's standing in the room right now. And it's my first or my best uh, example of first date ready because I'll never forget Jason Dykstra has worked for us for a lot of years. He came in and it was clear he wasn't ready. Uh, physically, he wasn't ready. Mentally, he wasn't ready. And your physical appearance tells me whether you're mentally ready or not. Did you take the time to, to get ready? Well, he didn't show up with a belt. And I'm like, dude, tuck your shirt in and get a belt. Why don't you, in fact, why don't you walk outside and change your headspace and get back in here? Well, he did that. He went outside and he, and I, I was kind of joking, but I was kind of pushing on him. He did that. He went outside, tucked his shirt in, I think ran a couple sprints, and then came back. Now, I wasn't always comfortable doing that. But now when you develop a culture like that, that's how you win. I want to... First of all, thank Dr. Dixon for this conversation. And it's, it's great to have conversations like this that other doctors can see themselves in you. And you can tell the story. And I thank you for your authenticity. I thank you for your vulnerability. So as a follow-up, what really hits you? What do you need to do differently based upon going through this? What do you need to go listen to again to really get some of these, these points solidified? What is going to be your plan for success? Commit to training, commit to developing your team. We came into this thinking team optimization, but this is about leadership. And you gotta learn to lead yourself first. Once you lead yourself, you can lead in your community. And then ultimately even around the world. So now go do the work, and they call it work for a reason, because it works. And if you do the work, you're gonna get the results. So this is to you, your life of affluence. You can find more thoughts on how to move beyond bricks at drnathanunruh.com.